The biggest trend is from human resources to people, right? Just not looking as, as humans as resources, but looking at them as a complete human being with uh, emotions and lives and, and desires and, and, you know, experiences and, and, and all of that. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Leumi Tech, sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Opwest Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Leaders. I am honored to be joined today by Tami Golan, the Chief People Officer of Bizabo. We're going to be talking not about human resources, but about humans. Tami's expertise is in driving change and supporting organizations through massive growth and transformation by partnering with leaders, teams, and employees to think through business problems and collaboratively move the business forward. Tami Golan, welcome all the way from the Bizabo offices in New York. How are you today? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. No, no, no. Thank you for joining me. I'm excited to be talking about people, understanding what it means to be chief people officer. This is not the first organization you're the chief people officer of. I know the chief technology officer. I know the chief executive officer, chief business officer. But this is, the, I, I'm, I believe, the first time that I have the chief people officer of, of a hyper-growth startup, more than 300 people. Uh, and so um, let's start with you telling me what is chief people officer? And how do you find yourself in a role like this? Well, so first of all, I'm honored to be the, to be the first chief people officer um, here. Very exciting. Um, chief people officer is really the, the way I see that function. We have two, two sides to it. One um, is to be an executive and a business partner to, you know, the executive leadership team of the company and help um, take the strategy, understand the strategy and define that or build around it people um, centered um, processes, procedures, programs. Um, that's the first role. The second role um, or the second side of the role is to really take care of everything that's people, anything from um, hiring to um, you know benefits and compensation, training, learning and development, uh, um, you know, um, fun activities, welfare, um, office environment. So anything and everything that touches people in the organization, um, I consider part of the chief people officer's responsibility. And so as you think through these responsibilities, which are very, which are very wide, right? So you're, you're mentioning a lot of different responsibilities that are touching both the personal and professional aspects of, of the people. How, how, does, how does the chief people officer interact within a high-tech organization? So wh how, how do you fit into this you know, ecosystem of, of a startup? Right. So again, I, I, I think that... Um, you know, our function, the people function is, is a, first of all, we're a service organization. So we're not defining the strategy necessarily. We're involved in it. We need to understand it deeply, but we're not defining it. We need to understand the market that we're operating in. We need to understand the competition. We need to understand our value proposition and our go-to-market strategy and all of those different pieces. And then um, collaborate very, very closely with um, everybody across the company. If it's the department heads and it's a very different type of relationship and collaboration and value that we bring to a chief, uh, you know, chief technology officer or to a chief revenue officer or to the CEO of the company. Um, and our job is to really um, 
help build, facilitate, promote, solve problems um, with all of the people aspects that are relevant to each one of those different functions. So I think what's fascinating for me in being in this role and why I'm so passionate about it is because it's from my perspective, the only role in the company with the exception of the CEO that has the full broad perspective of everything and anything that's going on in an organization. And we have the opportunity to really um, have a big impact on it. If we do our job right and if we support people where they are, we have the ability to really drive an organization forward. And that's why I'm so passionate because at the end, technology is important and nice, but without the people, it doesn't mean a whole lot. So um, that's how I view this role. And so you've, you've been in this role for, for quite some time and, and in different organizations. Was it always obvious to you that this is, you know, this is your destiny and this is something that you want to be doing? Where, where, what, what was sort of the aha moment for you that you said, this, you know, this is what I want to be doing? Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And I keep talking about it recently when I start at this point in my career, working with some HR professionals that are younger in their profession and, and, you know, and, and just people looking for, you know, the right role for them. But for me, growing up, I for sure was going to be a doctor. That was the only thing I wanted to do when I grow up. Um, and, um, you know, I, I studied biology, physics, all of those important things. And then, you know, after the army, when I time came to actually go to school, I figured I'm not going to spend seven years. This is crazy. So completely pivoted my whole focus to uh, psychology. I've always been very passionate about about people and trying to understand people. So started psychology, studied some criminology, and then ended up in business school when I moved here to the U.S. And one of my professors at the time in Bar-Ilan University in Israel told me that I have a very interesting, a very good business mind, and I should probably explore that. So went to business school from, you know, from, I don't know how I ended up there, but I did, loved it, fell in love with just the business world. Um, and I definitely did not want to do HR. That was very, very clear to me at the time I was working in finance. Um, then I went to graduate school and I studied organizational psychology because I was fascinated by the dynamics in an organization, but definitely did not want to be HR. I left school and I went to do consulting, which is what I thought I was going to do. And then one of my um, customers and good friends asked me to come in as their HR, um, you know, a, first HR person here in the U.S. And reluctantly, I said yes. But then when I actually stepped into the organization and understood how powerful this position is and what it should be, and at the time, not dating myself too much, but at the time, HR was a very, very administrative, tactical role in most organizations. Uh, but I knew and I felt that there was something more that needs to be needs to be unleashed, you know, when it comes to working with people in an organization. And that's really been my passion. That was my aha moment when I was actually in there. And I was very fortunate to work with an incredible leader and, you know, was given the, the space and the ability to do things a little bit differently. Um, I really understood the power and the impact of this role. And since then, I've been doing a combination of in-house and consultancy, but always on the people's side and operations, because that's really my passion, the building and, and understanding an organization and, and creating programs that can help drive value and create um, and drive the organization forward. That's really what gets me excited every morning. That's why I wake up. Amazing. And so take me, you know, 30,000 feet in the air. And, you know, what have we been observing in the human resources space? Because, you know, what I'm experiencing as a young entrepreneur and as an engineer, and I'm watching, you know, a, a lot of my friends going through hiring processes and, and, and I'm watching things change. And the, 
you know, both the the relationships are changing, the the I guess the power dynamics are changing. From the HR perspective, on a scale level, what greater trends have you been observing over the last, I don't know, uh, two, three, five years? Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest trend is from human resources to people, right? Just not looking as, as humans as resources, but looking at them as a complete human being with uh, emotions and lives and, and desires and, and, you know, experiences and, and, and all of that, that that's the biggest shift that happened from when I started in this profession a very long time ago um, to what it is today. Over the last year and a half, a huge shift in the world in general because of this pandemic. And one of the, I mean, it's a, it's a horrible uh, period and, and a lot of very negative things happened at that time. But one of the good things that happened at that time is that the whole dynamic changed um, in organizations. And literally one morning, everybody changed the way they work uh, because we had no other choice. And since then, um, I think people and organizations um, understood finally, because we in the HR profession have been talking about it for a very long time, that being in an office every day, nine to five, didn't make sense for a very, very long time. That's not what people need. That's how, not how humans operate today with technology, with the ability to stay connected all the time. Um, certainly the younger generations who are looking for more, um, you know, they're looking for more flexibility and they have a lot of different interests and work is no longer the only thing in the center of their lives. Um, it's been there for a very long time. We've been talking about it and preaching it for a very long time, but then literally one morning it just happened. And, um, you know, and people understood that one, people can operate from anywhere really, because we have the technology, we have the way to do it. People generally, and if you don't hire people like that, then you're doing something wrong, but they're independent and they're passionate and they want to be successful. And you don't have to see them next to you in an office necessarily in order for them to do their job. All of a sudden, there's a huge shift in, in how employees look at the workplace and how um, organizations, companies look at, look at humans within that workspace. So the last year and a half have been the most fascinating in my career from that perspective. Um, and I think there's a lot more, a lot more to come now that we're trying to figure out what's the future of work, what does hybrid even mean, um, and what actually works, what, you know, where people are really, truly the most productive. Is it only at home? Is it only in the office? Is the combination? There's a lot of unknowns and a lot of things that are being looked at and tested right now, which will yield some, some amazing, fascinating results. So it sounds to me that that this is a pretty confusing time for a lot of people in the in the pip in the people business on the side of companies, right? Because you know, the, the, in terms of technology, things are moving along as expected. In terms of you know venture capital and investments and vision of companies, you have the CEO for that. But all of a sudden, your position as the chief people officer, your job has completely changed over the last year and a half, or at least tactically speaking, the way that you're operating your job on a day to day basis, right? Yeah, I think what the biggest shift that happened, which is amazing for this profession, is that all of a sudden one morning it just became such an important role, right? There's a lot of, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I worked with very, um, I would say, progressive, open-minded, amazing leaders and CEOs that really allowed me to to show the value and and uh, and, and and change things and do things a little bit differently, as I mentioned before. Uh, but a lot of a lot of HR professionals, you know, for many, many, many years, were not doing that. Were not allowed. And then one morning, the organization woke up. 
in a big crisis when everybody needs to work remote with no technology, no infrastructure, no policies, no communication, um, and a lot of very confused employees. And everybody all of a sudden turned to their HR person to solve all of these issues. Um, and a lot of people were not equipped for that. A lot of people did not know how to deal with it. So there was a lot of confusion. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a big, strong community of HR professionals and we helped and, and everybody was helping each other to try and navigate this crazy, crazy period. But um, I always thought, and I've, again, was fortunate enough to work in an organization that really put people in the center. Um, and, and for us, it was, for, for, for myself and my team, was a pretty seamless, you know, uh, transition to, to virtual and remote. We just shifted how we do onboarding and how we train and how we uh, communicate. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't easy, but it was pretty seamless because everything was already there. But a lot of organizations literally had nothing there. And the HR professional needed to really figure everything out, you know, figure out all of those different motions that are critical to be able to work remotely. So um, a big shift for this profession is just fi now finally, you know, really people understand the value of having somebody in this role thinking about all of these issues and, and helping advance the organization forward. It's, it's incredible. Uh, amazing. And I think that, you know, it, it's, it's, so weird thinking about, you know, the, you know, now I'm trying to put myself in your position and you're waking up and you're understanding that, you know, measuring people's expectations, the norms have changed. It's not really clear what the norms really are. So just even thinking of how to ask these questions and obviously with every company having different culture, you're going to have different expectations for different groups of people of whether they come back to the office or how they, how, what are, the, what are their now communication expectations? Uh, obviously we can see behind me, my dog is taking apart my Nintendo, which is completely fine because this is, this is much more interesting for me right now. And, and I want to, I want to pick your brain on, you know, looking forward to the next few years, you know, even the next year. You know, usually when I talk about industries, I'm thinking five years down the line. Here I'm thinking six months down the line, a year down the line. What are some of the bigger challenges that chief people officers around companies, you know, if more than 300 people, there's it's a lot of responsibility. What are some of the challenges that are being presented right now and, and how are you tackling those? Yeah, so, I, uh, you know, in... in it depends on the company, the stage and what's going on right now. There's a lot of companies who are still trying to recover, you know, from what the impact of the pandemic. There are companies like Visible, which I'm, you know, excited to be part of today that uh, went through a very meaningful pivot and um, started to grow very, very fast and doubling our size. So very different challenges and different issues for different types of companies where they are. Um, I think there's a few um, a few things that we're all, I think, sharing right now in what we're dealing with. One, the market is the market is very hot. There's a lot of money in the market. Everybody's hiring. The competition on talent is fierce um, in many many locations. For us specifically, we're in Israel, New York, uh, in Israel, Tel Aviv, New York, and Kiev in the Ukraine, and all of those markets are going through. Uh, an unbelievable hype and and it feels like the bubble um, kind of happening all over again. So um, hiring, retention, um, very challenging right now. Um, reinventing what the workplace needs to be is something that we're investing an enormous amount of time um, in. We're doing a lot of internal surveys. We're talking to a lot of different companies. We're studying from others who have made some bold decisions and, and understand what the outcomes of those decisions are. Um, I personally love to stay very connected to our employees and really meet them where they are. Right now, we have people in the office. They're excited to come to the office. We didn't tell anyone to come to the office. Uh, but here, people really see the value of the in-person and just 
getting back to to those interactions and solving problems by turning to somebody you know sitting next to you in two minutes versus scheduling yet another 30 minute zoom call so naturally and organically it's just happening but what the future looks like is a very good question we're designing three new offices to accommodate what we believe is the future of work you know and the office environment needs to serve a very different purpose right now um you know a lot of us are dealing with um as I mentioned, expectations from employees that are very different depending on the stage of their career. But right now, more than ever, employees are looking at companies to solve all of the problems. You know, they're looking at us to solve uh, not just business problems and, and you know, they're looking at um, solutions for mental health and physical health, uh, health and emotional health and work-life balance and, um, uh, you know, social justice and a lot of different things that were not part of the working world. Um, up until fairly recently. Um, and that's a big change. And where do you draw the line and what's your role as an employer is something that we're all trying to figure out. So a lot of different, uh, very big changes and movements that are happening right now. And the way I, I tackle it is again, by learning and, and being open-minded and speaking to our employees constantly. If it's surveys, if it's conversations one-on-one -on -one with managers, directors globally to understand the different culture nuances and um, that's the best way. Um, and we look at this period right now as we call it beta testing. So we're opening the offices, whoever wants to come, come. We keep talking to people, making some changes and testing the water to see what resonates, what doesn't. Um, and again, meet people where they are to make sure that we they do the best work in the best way possible and remain engaged and happy and productive. That's really the, the main goal here. Amazing, amazing. I, I have so many more questions. You know, I, I think we can do a whole other episode just thinking about what responsibilities then does this leave to the CEO and the CTO to work with the chief people officer and to 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 enable them to to grow and to even ask these difficult questions and and it sounds like you know one aspect here that is that is new is here is that you know there's going to be a lot of innovation in your space now so you know we've seen a lot of industries undergo a massive change and I've been seeing a lot of early stage companies dealing with the future of work and productivity for remote teams etc and these are really things that you know I guess you're concerned with right now and I think that's pretty a pretty remarkable thing to to think through and and so I'm I'm excited to see where where this leads all this different innovation. I have three short questions for you, Tommy, uh, and not for the chief people officer, but but you. Okay. Uh, take me back to your childhood. What really fascinated you as a kid? People. Sounds cheesy, right? But people. I was always fascinated with what makes people tick. Um, and even as a very young child, I remember asking my parents very, very difficult questions to really try to understand what motivates them. So it's always been for me about trying to figure people out. Wow, amazing. And um, somebody or something that inspires you today. So as you go about your day, as you're asking yourself these difficult questions, where do you derive some of the inspiration? Uh, my kids. I have three wonderfully amazing um, daughters. Um, and they challenge me and surprise me and inspire me every day. Uh, one, to just be a good role model for them, which is why, what I strive to every day. Um, and now that they're older um, and really can understand and appreciate, up until now when I said HR, they knew what I was doing, but they had no idea what that meant. Now they finally get it. Um, so they challenge me and they represent a different, um, you know, a different point of view, which truly inspires me every day. Amazing. And three words that you would use to describe yourself. Um, 
three words, passionate, um, curious, and um, a builder. Amazing. Tommy, thank you so much. I know, I know you have a lot of work to be doing and uh, you're, you're undergoing massive changes. And, and I think it's, I just think it's exciting. And, you know, I'm jealous and scared of what you're doing at the same time, because I know how confusing it is. And at the end, it's, um, it's, it's a new industry and it's a new market. And, and, and I just love the open-mindedness and I love the approach of, of understanding the complexity behind it. So thank you for taking the time to share this with me. Uh, stay safe and stay healthy. And I, and I look forward to seeing what happens with Bizabo. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Of course.